This podcast is brought to you by MyScoreIQ. MyScoreIQ services are here to help you be prepared when it comes to making big financial decisions, such as buying or refinancing your home or purchasing that new car. Try it out for only $1 for a seven-day trial. You'll receive your FICO scores from all three major credit bureaus, along with active credit report monitoring and alerts for changes to your credit report and possible suspicious activity. My Score IQ services can help you be in the best position possible when you take that step to apply for a home or auto loan, all for $1 for a seven-day trial. Visit MyScoreIQ.com forward slash Todd to learn more. That's MyScoreIQ.com forward slash Todd. All right. So I, I did hear just a little bit about this. I obviously, um, their, their numbers generally are still much below 2020 or pre-2020 levels, uh, but their bookings up slightly, still not a lot, but I think they're, the, the impression is they're going to dig themselves out of that hole pretty quickly. Um, personally, I'll believe it when I see it, uh, they are still far from being profitable as I think we all know. I'm looking at this list. One of the first things that jumps out to me and listeners, we do post these to YouTube. If you want to follow along YouTube, when you get home, pull us up Lyman Alpha talking stocks on YouTube, and you can follow along with what we're looking at on the screen. And, you know, one of the things that jumps out to me here, Joe, is that the third, they don't put revenue as the first line item. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. They're putting it as, as nights and experience book at the top, followed by gross booking value, then revenue, and then of course last loss, right? So it kind of this is what we want you to focus on up here, this nights and experiences booked. And you know, hey, you know what, Joe though? I don't mind double digits, 13% year over year. I'm actually a little surprised it's not stronger. I mean, me too. Are you gonna tell me that? Okay, so year over year, well, it was the first quarter, so maybe you had some strength in the January, February before people really started to wake up to the, the COVID shutdown. So maybe what you'll see, Joe, is a huge acceleration in the Q2 numbers. Yeah. Because maybe yeah, that's- I, I would think so, just because I, judging by what happened last year, like I, I remember like- college spring break and you know uh just generally school vacations up until i feel like the end of march about weren't really affected like i remember i remember people were like still on vacation as everything was kind of shutting down and so i think that if people had something booked at least up until like the end of march probably which would be the end of the first quarter right that it probably was not affected all that much so yeah, I guess that I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna I think we're gonna see I think we'll see a huge year over year jump in in bookings from in Q two. Not to say that we'll not to say that we'll see a huge year over year jump in this in this net loss turning into a profit or anything down here. I'm very skeptical of that myself. Well, let's dig into it some more here. Okay, so we had okay yeah. the the nights and experience books were sixty four point four million. That's up thirteen percent year over year. The gross booking value, okay, so how much of those nights books, um, you know, how, what's the value of that? That $10.3 billion, that's up 52% year over year, which is interesting. 
to me. Maybe there's some um, slightly higher prices. Slightly higher prices, or it could be people going for longer periods of time. Mm, or even they, upgrading because they've got a little extra money in their pockets and they're that's doing true, nice yeah. Yeah, a nice little stimulus check or just, you know, they've been working from home and haven't been haven't been in, incurring a lot of costs. Certainly possible. And then you see that revenue, Q1 2021 revenue was up 5% year over year to 887 million, uh, up 3% on constant currency basis, which simply means that they're adjusting out any, any because they do, you, you can book Airbnbs anywhere in the world. So adjusting for currency was up 3% year over year, uh, um, year of, it was constant currency and 5% year over year if you don't adjust for the currency impacts. So yeah, okay. so. It's more people booking than they did last year. Um, a significantly higher gross booking value. Um, and then the revenue up slightly, but like you and I just talked about, the Q1 comparison maybe isn't nearly as weak as the Q2 comparison might be. And then that big, you, you've mentioned already kind of hinted at it, that big net loss, 1.17 billion uh, in the first quarter. Although it looks like 380 million of it was related to the repayment of debt, which is never a bad thing. 292 million non-cash mark-to-market adjustment for warrants and 113 million expense related to lease no longer deemed necessary. So there are a lot of um, one-time items in that 1.2 billion loss. All right, what else we got here? If you scroll down. Sure. So adjusted EBITDA earnings before interest taxes, deductions, amortization, loss of 59 million. But that they say that that was materially improved from a year ago, although they don't give us the year ago number here. But they do say it's at the end of the letter. We'll get to it. Okay. All right. So yeah, 2020 was a year none of us will ever forget. Yeah, we get it. Cliches. All right. So... This is basically just what we were looking at before with a oh, little bit more Oh, go scroll detail. up a little bit, though. Go oh, scroll yeah? up to right there. This is what we were talking about. This revenue has driven the strength of North American higher average daily rates during the quarter. Interesting. So, I wonder why that is. That's interesting. So, you know, maybe that may only this just people have more pricing power now. Be interesting to see how, how much capacity is actually open. I know it's really tough. I tried to book something for the summer. It's really hard to find what I'm looking for. Yeah, now now I know the the summer is just supposed to be insane. We have some some pretty pretty touristy areas near where we are in New Hampshire and I know they're expecting record breaking numbers this year. And then if Joe look at that next line where that next bullet where it says significant items impacted Q121 net loss. So we were just talking about that. So that net loss the headline number is scary. But 782 million of that 1.17 billion um, are theoretically you know, non-recurring or um, you know one-time uh, one-time one-time things. Yeah. And here's the comparison that I wanted: the adjusted EBITDA. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty market improvement. That is yeah. that is quite the improvement. 59 million from a loss, so loss of 59 million. Uh, up from a loss of 334 million Q in Q1 of 2020. So that's that's significant. Increased marketing efficiency. 
that means that they're just spent less on marketing <laughs> and, <laughs> and maybe targeting is getting better. But yeah. I mean, in this, let's put it this way, Joe. I mean, how much does Airbnb really have to market right now? I mean, if you're looking for a place to go, it's going to be one of the top three places you pull up to look. Yeah. Without any kind of prompting from click on this button. Yeah, I don't think there's really any any brand awareness they have to do anymore. So it's it's just a matter of making sure that they that they remain at the top of search results when somebody's looking for rentals in wherever. You know, so, I'm scrolling down and to your point you you made earlier where people are staying longer. Yep. Look at that third bullet point under business highlights. Yep. Guests aren't just traveling on Airbnb, they're living on Airbnb. Not for traditional travel, but for long-term stays, defined as stays of 28 days or more. 24, so nearly a quarter of all bookings are long-term. That's impressive. It makes sense though, right? Because with all of these, all of these, I guess they're becoming less and less now, but over the past year, all of these quarantine restrictions right and so if you're traveling like if you were traveling from new hampshire to i don't know virginia you would have to technically you would have to quarantine in virginia for two weeks and so if you're quarantining there you can't really go out and do much while you're quarantining assuming you're doing it right which obviously most people don't but you know if you're if you want to if you want to play by the rules then yeah you you have to you have to stay down there for at least 2 weeks in order to you know kind of be able to experience the area you're in right I'll take it one step further too Joe I mean with work from home I I mean look at what we do we could be anywhere right I mean, we've we've recorded podcasts with you at ski lodges and you down in south I mean we I mean, you don't so you could do a long term rental in some place awesome you know I don't know whether or not though post-vaccination, that number starts to come down. I would imagine it would. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Although who knows, maybe, maybe people who have enough, enough disposable income where they're, where they, they can do that. They decide that they're going to go up. If they're in New York city, they decide that they're going to go up to Maine for the whole summer or something. Right. All they, if they can continue to work from home, the only thing they need is a steady internet connection. Yeah, true. And, you know, I've talked to my wife about it and, you know, we were like, you know, I can work from anywhere. So why wouldn't we, why can't we get on a plane? Well, we can't because Europe won't have us right now. <laughs> but I mean, theoretically, we could go to Ireland, right? rent a place for a month and hang out in Ireland and, you know, really embed ourselves. And honestly, if, if, if I had my brothers, that's what I would, I would love to embed myself you know, forget yeah. this three day, five day travel or seven day travel where you takes your first two or three days just to get acclimated and your last right. day, last two days, you're like all worried about when you're coming home, you know, I mean, it's like. Yeah, it could be, it could just be the new way, assuming you can, assuming you can afford that. And you yeah, know, you know, you it's can, that numbers, how many people can afford to do? So that number is probably going to fall. I, I would imagine, but who knows me if it, if that stays at, 10 to 15 percent that's still significant right no it certainly gives you pricing power because you're taking capacity out of the system right you know Absolutely. okay so what else we have 
that's just blobby blah blah we're all just yeah. we're awesome we're ready for you <laughs> uh educating the world about what makes air okay so 2021 plan edging the world about airbnb's difference recruiting hosts and setting them up simplifying journey delivering world well, blah 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 that's what you'd expect them to say right right we're gonna grow our business <laughs> special announcement most comprehensive update to airbnb service in 12 years all right that's yeah completely okay. non-informative yeah that doesn't tell as much as a shareholder yeah we i think this is i think we're getting to the this is a lot of portion just, of this yeah, a lot of marketing yeah. stuff here. 55 right. hosts, percent of hosts are women's, 58% of super hosts are women. I wonder if they give us a number of how many hosts there are. They say? I'm sure they do somewhere. I think Might someone, I think someone on Twitter said that there's like 4 million hosts or something. I could be totally wrong. If I bet I can just Google it. Let me just Google it. Yeah. How many Airbnb hosts are there? 2.9 million in 2019. Okay. So yeah, 4 million wouldn't be a bad, wouldn't yeah, be a I bad guesstimate. Yep. And if you think about it, I mean, there's way more than 4 million households on the, on the planet. So. Oh yeah. There's probably a lot of people here who aren't and but, but, but maybe could still be, cons still consider um yeah i mean i i live i live in a neighborhood where a lot of people's homes are either seasonal or they're you know second homes vacation homes or even just straight up vacation rentals and a lot of the time those in fact the house across the street from me the lady only lives here five to six months out of the year and the rest of the year she's in florida so that's, a, that's an untapped out? market nope house is completely empty yeah, so I mean, there's that's just money just waiting to be tapped, and I'm sure right. there's a lot of people. Like, maybe during the COVID too. I mean, people didn't want to do that; they were resistant to because they didn't want to have a whole bunch of strangers walking through their house, right? But you know, we get to a point post COVID, maybe they, we'll start to see that open up, and um, and that obviously would, you know, that could be good. Absolutely. All right, what else do we see in here? Anything else that we should talk about? Um, let's see. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's see if they have service tables. This is we already the had these numbers. numbers. Kind of what we just talked about with those gross booking value numbers and everything else. Um, North America's strongest region um, seems like that makes sense because we didn't really have lockdowns all that much. Yeah, and if you look at Europe and yeah, they're shouting out a couple different places and uh, where the where pandemic is still raging and they're not nearly as far along in the in vaccination as we are. So those that could remain a drag for a little while longer. And then yep. what else do we see here? Domestic travel strong in Mexico and Brazil. Um, yeah, we know that the the vaccination rates in even the developed countries in Asia is very very slow. Yeah, India especially still got a huge problem. Oh yeah. And then if you keep go, keep going down, let's see if we can get to. Okay, okay, so we here saw we go. those numbers. There's 1.1. And there's significant items we already talked about. Yep. So basically what they're just saying is, hey, okay, we're making headway. So Q1 of 2019. Oh, that's an interesting comparison. This chart right here, Joe, at the top. Yeah. You know, if you look, if you, so if you compare to pre-COVID, 
Q1 revenue was 887 million versus 839 million in Q1 2019. That could that's, be instructive. That's surprising to me. Oh, this next chart is brutal. Yeah, but again, it's that you got to subtract 782 million of that as potentially one time events. So yeah, it's still more still loss, than, losing still money more than 2019. Yeah, losing money. Yeah, no absolutely. Um, EBITDA significant improvement though. Yeah. All right. Anything else you think we can? No, I think we can probably pivot. Let me just look at. Real quick, so the revenue of 87 million, that was a beat. Street was looking for 107, uh, that beat the street by 172 million. And then probably not surprisingly, um, the EPS missed. Yeah. Because again, you had all those one-time items, some of which weren't forecast and were probably weren't built into analyst models. Right. All right, so beat on the top line, missed on the bottom line and Revenue is good, but losses, they still have some work to go before we can say they're profitable. All right. Yep.